O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, August 14th. Shabbat Shalom. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Shaftim, and it means Judges. Deuteronomy 21, 1-9 When you are in the land the Lord your God is giving you, someone may be found murdered in a field, and you don't know who committed the murder. In such a case... Your elders and judges must measure the distance from the site of the crime to the nearby towns. When the nearest town has been determined, that town's elders must select from the herd a young cow that has never been trained or yoked to a plow. They must lead it down to a valley that has not been plowed or planted and that has a stream running through it. There, in the valley, they must break the young cow's neck. Then... The Levitical priests must step forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister before him and to pronounce blessings in the Lord's name. They are to decide all legal and criminal cases. The elders of the town must wash their hands over the young cow whose neck was broken. Then they must say, Our hands did not shed this person's blood, nor did we see it happen. O Lord, forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. Do not charge your people with the guilt of murdering an innocent person. Then they will be absolved of the guilt of this person's blood. By following these instructions, you will do what is right in the Lord's sight and will cleanse the guilt of murder from your community. Nehemiah 7, 
21. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the Law of Moses, the Torah, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October the 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from the early morning until noon, and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masiah. To his left stood Padiah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamim, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jozebad, Hanan, and Peliah, then instructed the people in the Torah, while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God, the Torah, and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were interpreting for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. The people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the Torah. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they had heard God's words and understood them. On October the 9th, the family leaders of all the people, together with the priests and Levites, met with Ezra, the scribe, to go over the Torah in greater detail. As they studied the Torah, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters, or sukkahs, during the festival to be held that month. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were to use these branches to make sukkahs in which they would live during the festival of Sukkot, 
as prescribed in the Torah. So the people went out and cut branches and used them to build sukkahs on the roofs of their houses, in their courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these sukkahs during the festival. And they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. Ezra read from the book of the law, the Torah, on each of the seven days of the festival. Then on the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, as was required by law. On October the 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law, the Torah, was read aloud to them. Then, for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kanani stood on the stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord their God with loud voices. Then the leaders of the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah, called out to the people, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Then they prayed, May your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all, and the angels of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him from Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham. When he had proved himself faithful, you made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. And you have done what you promised, for you are always true to your word. You saw the misery of our ancestors in Egypt, and you heard their cries from beside the Red Sea. You displayed miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, his officials, and all his people, for you knew how arrogantly they were treating our ancestors. You have a glorious reputation that has never been forgotten. You divided the sea for your people so they could walk through on dry land. And then you hurled their enemies into the depths of the sea. They sank like stones beneath the mighty waters. You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so that they could find their way. You came down at Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instructions that were just and decrees and commands that were good. You instructed them concerning your holy Sabbath, and you commanded them, through Moses your servant, to obey all your commands, decrees, and instructions. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry, and water from the rock when they were thirsty. 
You commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn, and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them, even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die. In the wilderness, the pillar of cloud still led them forward by day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. First Corinthians nine one to eighteen. Am I, Paul, not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Yeshua, our Lord, with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us, as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do, and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep? and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion? Or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses, the Torah, says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Yeshua. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rites. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. 
In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Psalm 33, 12-22 What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord! whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear Him, those who rely on His unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in Yahweh. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Let Your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. Proverbs 21, 11 and 12 If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded become wise. If you instruct the wise, they will be all the wiser. The righteous one knows what is going on in the homes of the wicked. He will bring disaster on them. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Deuteronomy 21, and then we're going to jump into Nehemiah 7 through 9. And in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 5, it is written, Then the Levitical priests must step forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister before him and to pronounce blessings in the Lord's name. They are to decide all legal and criminal cases. So we see a biblical principle being shown here, and that is that those people who were in the place of Uh, functioning as judges with legal matters were priests. Why would that be so? Because the priests knew the Torah, and the Torah became the foundation of their society. The Torah became the framework for laws and civil matters, for dealing with situations in civic life. And in fact, this principle is further uh, revealed to us in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22. For the Lord, Yahweh, Yeshua, is our judge. Yahweh, Yeshua, is our lawgiver. Yahweh, the Lord, Yeshua, is our king, and he will save us. So we see here four roles that Yeshua plays. Yeshua is our judge. Yeshua is our lawgiver. He's the one who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. Yeshua is our king. He's the king of Israel. 
and he will save us. He is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. And so he fulfills all four of those roles. Coming back to Deuteronomy 21, verse 5. So a righteous judge is going to make a ruling based upon the Torah, because there will be righteousness in his decision. Now, I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. In the very founding of this nation, the United States of America, there are three legs of government. The legislative branch, where the laws are made or written. The executive branch, where the bills are signed into law and it's the law is administered. And the judicial branch, where laws are interpreted. And in the very beginning of the formation of this nation, for the first 50 or 100 years, the Supreme Court, whenever they would hear matters and make a decision or a ruling, they would cite Scripture to back up their decision. And so when Scripture is being used and consulted with in making a decision, you know you're going to get some righteousness. But we have departed far, far, far from the Word of God as a nation. And those three branches or legs of the government, which form checks and balances, are no longer operating and functioning as they ought to. Recently, the CDC issued an edict, an executive order, extending the moratorium on evictions. Now, this was completely illegal and unconstitutional. The CDC, their role is they are a public health agency and they are to issue guidelines regarding public health. They don't have the authority to issue executive orders. Executive orders come from the White House. Who has the right or authority to be able to put a moratorium on evictions? That would have to go through Congress. Or it would go through the Supreme Court. And recently the Supreme Court ruled on this very matter and ruled it unconstitutional that there's this long-term moratorium on evictions. Now, people who own buildings still have to pay their mortgages. But if they have renters, they can't evict them if they're not paying rent. Basically, the leader of the CDC has nationalized all homes and said it's under the jurisdiction of the government. It's completely unconstitutional and illegal. That's just one example of how the three branches of government are no longer functioning. Another example, back when the election was still under consideration, Texas brought a case before the Supreme Court saying uh, we there's election fraud going on and other states are not tabulating results properly and efficiently and uh, correctly, and it's affecting the entire national election results. And they brought evidence for their case. And the Supreme Court would not even listen to the matter, saying that there is no standing, no standing. They wouldn't even hear the case and consider the evidence. That's a total breakdown in our government. We don't really have a republic anymore. The republic has fallen. So it's refreshing to read from Deuteronomy 21.5, 
that the Levitical priests would decide all legal and criminal cases because they were trained in the Torah and they would make decisions based upon the Word of God, the Scriptures, righteous decisions, because that is the nature of our God. He is righteous. He is holy. He is compassionate. Let's jump into Nehemiah chapter 7 through 9. And Nehemiah was the governor. Ezra was the priest and scribe. That were their roles in this time when they came back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to repair the walls and to do this work. So in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 9, it is written, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the Torah. Why were they weeping? They were weeping because they were repenting. The word of God went in and pierced like a sword right into their heart. And they realized they saw their sin and it cut them to the quick, cut their heart. And they wept knowing we have sinned. We have fallen far short of what this Torah says. And yet, the priest told them, don't weep. This is a day to celebrate. This is a day of great joy, because they had heard God's words and understood them. Continuing on, in verse 16, so the people, well, no, let's back up to verse 13. On October the 9th, the family leaders of all the people, together with the priests and Levites, met with Ezra the scribe to go over the Torah in greater detail. Verse 14. As they studied the Torah, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in Sukkahs during the festival, Feast of Tabernacles, to be held that month. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were to use these branches to make shelters or sukkahs in which they would live during the festival as prescribed in the Torah. So they had not kept the Feast of Tabernacles since the time of Joshua, son of Nun, when they first entered the land when they first crossed over the Jordan River and came into the land. And this is one of the feasts of Yahweh, the Feast of the Lord. And we are rapidly coming into that very season right now. The feast, first of all, we have the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. And this year that falls on September the 8th, sundown going into September the 9th. And um, then we have Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, and that falls on sundown, September 17th, going into September the 18th. That's the day of fasting. That's the day of repenting, 
of coming before the Lord and, and examining your heart and asking him to forgive you for any personal sin and um, to come clean before him. And then Feast of Tabernacles this year falls on sundown, September 22nd into the 23rd. Day, day one, a high Sabbath is September the 23rd, and it goes all the way to September 30th for a full week through September the 30th. And then Simchat Torah, the last final high day, is Friday, October the 1st. I encourage you, find a fellowship that is keeping the Feast of Tabernacles and participate in this. Plan ahead. Take time off from work. And typically, they will go out into a campground somewhere and camp for those days in tents, in trailers, in RVs, motorhomes, temporary shelters for that week. It is a rehearsal. It is a practice. The spring feasts are all about Yeshua's first coming, and the fall feasts are all about his second coming. And one day it will not be a rehearsal. We will be going live as that day approaches of his return. So do participate in Sukkot. Sukkot is also known as the season of our joy. It's been a long journey. The journey began at Passover in the coming out of Egypt, in the salvation picture that's painted there for us when we first get saved and we come out of Egypt and we're no longer in bondage, we're no longer slaves to sin. And then we begin a journey. And we um, journey through these feasts. And Sukkot represents the end of the journey. One day when Yeshua returns at the Feast of Trumpets, this will be the coronation of our king, and he will go through a coronation ceremony at the Feast of Trumpets. At Yom Kippur, he is our judge, and he will judge each and every one of us. And at the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, this is like a wedding. This is the beginning of his 1,000-year rule and reign with him, Yeshua, as our king and as our priest and as our judge and as our savior. Okay, that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. 
Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.